video for a second. The thing that jumped out at me, I've actually seen it one time before, and I love that video. The thing that jumped out at me the most is that there's the way that it shows that there's not just joy in receiving, there's joy in giving, you know? Like in the beginning of the video, what I picked up is that a few of the, the receivers, the recipients, you know that in the beginning they were like a little unsure, their feelings. They were like hesitant, is this real? You know, is somebody like, what's going on? You know, can I really believe this is happening? But every single one of the, the, the ones that were entrusted to give or invited to give, they were all in. They were so full of joy, and they're like, come on, go find something. This is a gift. Pick something out. Look at about the guy that was like, the woman's like, get a ring for your girlfriend. I mean, you know, I don't know if he went to, what was it, JCPenney? If he went to JCPenney that day, no one was going to get engaged. But um, there's joy. There's joy in giving, not just in receiving. And, and not to over-spiritualize it, but I really believe that that has something to do with us being made in the image of God. You know, God is an extravagant, joyful giver. Right? That's who he is. Let me bridge that to what we're doing here today. We're in the middle of a series that has us looking into the different, you know, the true essence of what Christmas is about. You know, and each week we've been looking at different aspects of that essence in the hopes of seeing those things really come to life on the inside of our hearts. We're, we're not here just to show up and to do a service. We want the full measure of what God has for us manifesting in all that we do. And so today, our topic is generous investment, all right? And everything about pulling in the video, everything about the season of Christmas, the heart behind it, the, the coming of Christ, it's all generosity. If you think about it, what does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that he, he gave. That's right. And the prophet Isaiah goes on to say that he, it pleased him to do so. In other words, there was joy in his giving. But if you've said yes to Jesus, the giving doesn't stop there, right? You said yes to Jesus. What does he do next? The Father gives the Holy Spirit. He's very joyful about giving his spirit to people. And out of the place of giving his spirit, we get supernatural gifts. We get supernatural fruit. Hear me. Everybody was intended to have great joy through those two things. You guys know that. I know enough of you in this house. You get a, a word of wisdom or you get a, a prophetic revelation for somebody and you go and you, you, you submit it to them and you see that it's hitting the mark. And you know what I mean when I'm saying that. They start to respond or, um, or you, you get a highlight for somebody. They, you, you ask if you can pray for them. There's sickness in their body. You start praying for them and that sickness disappears. Come on. The supernatural gifts and, 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 and fruit is the same way, and fruit that God gives, that he joyfully gave, those recipients aren't the only ones that are excited. You and I are excited. We get joyful when we partake of things like that. It's good. My point again, it's good. 
to give. There's joy in giving, not just in receiving. And, I, and again, I believe that's because God himself is a joyful, extravagant giver. And whatever we give, in whatever area it is, it doesn't have to just be finances like that. We partake in that joy. And so it's good to be us. It's good to be us. All right. <clears throat> I, want to, um, I want to take us into what we're going to speak about today. Bear with me. I'm talking a little slower today. I know that you guys recognize that. God is good. <clears throat> I think that I pushed the limit when we hit that last song, Hallelujah, and I was like, wow, first time out of bed in a few days, like a week, and I'm jumping up and down. That probably wasn't the wisest thing, but <laughs> God is faithful. He'll give back what we give, what we give to him in offering. So in the next few minutes, I expect to be filled with um, great strength in Jesus' name. Yeah. So this is what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about generous investment. All right? And if you have a, a Bible with you, or if you want to turn in, like, go to your Bible app, we're going to go to two places in Scripture today. We're going to go to Leviticus chapter 19, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. So why don't you go search for those as I tell you what we're going to be doing in those two areas of Scripture today. <clears throat> uh, generous investment is the topic. I want to tell you, uh, well, let me give you the message title, too. Um, the message title is Making room for generous investment if you're a note taker. And I want to tell you why I believe that's important and, and then be real with you and tell you how we got to this message title. So the reason I believe that the making room for generous investment is important is because we can't generously give something that we don't have. I want to say that again. We want to make room for generous investment because we can't generously give something that we don't have. <clears throat> God, thank you for strength. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that you want to speak today, that you have a plan to speak to us as your kids. And we just say in this moment, your kids are listening, Abba. Speak so that we can just move forward in what you have for us. Thank you for ease in this moment, for the, the, the speaker and the listeners in your name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so how do we get here? Real life with Julie Stevens. Okay. I was at the mall a couple of weeks ago after a, a good day of work. So it was later in the evening. And I'm looking around. I've, I'm there to pick up a couple of gifts from my boys. And I'm looking around at the complete chaos there must have been some sale that was going on. I don't know. But I was in the middle of something that was loud. It was, there was a lot of activity. There were, people were, in, were intensely shopping for discounts. We'll just say it like that. And then I, all of a sudden, I heard over like the intercom system, I heard the song Silent Night. And I just started cracking up. I'm like, really? No, not here. <laughs> So I leave the, I'm thinking about the, the chaos. I leave, I get back to the house, and <clears throat> I get to spend a little bit of time with my family. Everybody else goes to bed, and, and I get the blessing of staying up, and i writing out Christmas cards. I'm wrapping Christmas gifts. I'm, hey, I'm letting you into real life more than you asked for. I'm doing laundry. I'm thinking about, wow, this month is going by really fast already, and I haven't done all my stuff. 
My family still wants to eat meals. That means groceries are still going to run out. That means I get to go get new ones. Is there anybody else with me? Anybody else can relate? Like there's, I love Christmas. I love the holiday season. But there's real life things that happen. And in that moment, I found myself thinking, wow, God, December is really busy and I don't have enough time. And immediately I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, you can't give what you don't have. Oh. It started a really healthy conversation. And it left me with questions like this. When was the last time that I actually gave somebody a prophetic word while I was running errands? When was the last time that I felt a prompt that somebody around me might have sickness in their body and I paid attention and I looked for who they were and I went and I ministered to them. The truth was God had never stopped talking. But I had real life stuff and to-dos that were good. There's nothing wrong with my to-do list. But it kind of crowded out that still small voice. And I had missed some opportunities. Now, just in case you're not following right now, I am not using this as a confession time for Julie Stevens. In that moment, I felt like the Lord said I wasn't alone. And this is how we got to the message. We can't generously give what we don't have. Everybody say, making room for generous investment. Amen. All right. So, God wants to invest in the people around us. Guess how he does it? He does it through us. God wants to invest in people all over this city, and he wants to do it through us in all different ways. But we need to make room. So, how do we do that? Well, we go to the scriptures, and we find out what God has to say about it. Making room for generous investment. The first place that I want us to go is Leviticus Leviticus chapter 19. If you're there, we're going to go to the ninth and the tenth verses. Let me read them to you. That's where scripture says that when God is speaking to his people Israel, and he says, when you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field, and don't gather up every remaining bit of your harvest. Don't strip your vineyard bare. Or gather its fallen grapes. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger, for I am the Lord your God. God says, In my kingdom, you're going to leave space. You're going to make room. There's going to be margin. So that when those in need come to your field, you have something to give them. Historically, the month of December, at least in North America, people genuinely push things to the very edge into two particular places in their calendar and in their finances. 
what often happens is that we strip our field bare in this season. So there's nothing left for the poor and the stranger that God might want to highlight to us. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. Here's what I want you to see. God talks about giving to ones in need, okay? But he's not just throwing out a command. God is a good father. He's always about the heart. Can you you guys agree with me? God's good. He's always about the heart. The the Old Testament, don't let somebody give give it a bad rap in your, in your, your senses here. God has been good, will always be good, and if he's speaking this out, it's for a heart issue. He knows the benefits of generosity, both to the giver and to the receiver. All right, I want you to think about Luke chapter 6. It was a highlight a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were doing a service. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. We're not going to go there, but I, I just want you to hear my heart. So in that area of scripture, Jesus lays out a foundation, a kingdom principle, okay? That means that people who know the Father through Jesus as Savior yet or not all function in it, all right? It's bigger. It's like gravity. You guys with me? All right, so that principle in Luke chapter 6 in the 38th verse, it talks about giving. It says, if you give, you're going to receive. It says, with the measure with what you give out, that's the very scales to which it will be measured back to you. Remember, he's not just preaching a command in Luke, uh, in Leviticus 19. He, he has the hearts of people on his mind. Both the giver and the receiver. So he says to Israel, he says, you are going to, don't take it to the edge. Leave space. Have some margin. Make room. Reap from your field but leave some extra around the corners for the people that I'm going to send into your, behind you that are poor and needy. Be like me, God says. Julie's paraphrase. Do what I do because you were created in my image. When God spoke, when Jesus brought up Luke chapter 6, verse 38, listen. He knew, the, the God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, they knew what they were doing. They measure themselves by the same, God the Father measures himself by the same measurement he asks us to, to live by. He sowed radically. He is an exceptionally generous giver, and he does it with joy. But he expects to get a measurement back that's equal to what he's given He has prophesied that the son will have an eternal bridal partner that will be giving all that she is with great joy for all of eternity, like we we were singing in worship today. He gave all, and he expects that because of the principle of generosity, he will find a people, like uh, Psalm 2 says, a people on the planet for Jesus' whole possession. They will be won over 
every part of them from the inside out because of the generosity of God, the radical generosity of God Almighty. They're recipients of it, and they can't help but give it away to everybody else. Do you guys see where we fit into the, 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 the storyline? It's not just leave your field, don't strip it bare, let somebody who doesn't have anything get something. That is part of it, but it's way bigger than that. And when we start to get our our mindsets in line with the bigger story, something supernaturally checks on the inside of us. It wakes up. And we're like, whoa, this is what I'm a part of. Are you guys following me? Okay. So let's see. Um, Let's go to Luke chapter 10. This is the, remember what we're doing. We are making room for generous investment. How do I do that? Like, it's a good phrase. Cool. I'll remember it. You should remember it. It's a good phrase. But cool. I'll remember that. I'm here. That's awesome. Like, I'll write down a point maybe. But like, how am I actually going to do this? So we go, again, we go back to the scripture because the scripture is our wisdom. The scripture is our instruction. The the scripture is alive and it does something on the inside of us and it it helps activate us in certain things, in whatever the Lord's speaking to us about. So today it's making room for generous investment. So Luke chapter 10, it's the story, we're going to look at the story of the, um, the, hello, of the Good Samaritan. I know where we're going. We're going to look at the story of the Good Samaritan. But what I want to do is I want to look at it with, or listen to it and look at it with fresh ears and fresh eyes, right? I want to pull away right now in the name of Jesus any type of familiarity. Oh, I know that story. That's awesome. I know that story too, but I feel strongly that the Lord wants to speak to us in a fresh way through it, right? So with fresh ears and eyes, let me paraphrase the beginning part of it for you. So a religious scholar um, comes to Jesus and he wants to test him. And so he says to him, "Um, what, Jesus, what will it take for me to um, inherit life, eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And the guy responds, well, the law says that I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, you know, and and to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus cuts right to the chase and he goes, great, do it. You'll have life. But the guy, not much different from many of us, at least at some season in our life, says, there's got to be a loophole here. Let me ask you, who's my neighbor? And the scripture verses that we're going to read now are Jesus' answer in the story of the Good Samaritan. So, verse 30. To answer this question, Jesus said, a man was going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Some robbers attacked him. They tore off his clothes, they beat him, and then they left him lying there almost dead. It happened that a Jewish priest was going down that road. When the priest saw the man, he walked by the other side of the road. Next, a Levite came there. He went over and he looked at the man. Then he walked by on the other side of the road. Then a Samaritan traveling down the road came to where the hurt man was lying. He saw the man and felt very sorry for him. The Samaritan went to him, poured olive oil and wine on his wounds, and bandaged them. He put the hurt man on his own donkey and took him to an inn. At the inn, the Samaritan took care of him. 
The next day, the Samaritan brought out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of this man. If you spend more money on him, I will pay it back to you when I come here again. Then Jesus said to the man, which of these men do you think, hello, which of these men do you think was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the robbers? The teacher of the law answered, the one who helped him. Jesus said to him, then go and do the same thing that he did. All right, fresh eyes, fresh ears. Here's what we're doing. I want you to look at that story through the perspective of making room. I want you to just go with me for a minute and, and look at the story in the, in the area of, from the perspective of margin. What if the priests actually did have a desire to minister, but they didn't have the ability because their mental calendars were so full of things that were important that they passed by the very thing that God spontaneously put before them to do. God puts things in front of us every day that he is hoping that we'll do to enrich others. The New Testament calls every believer priests. Because we have the nature of the God that I chatted about earlier, the generous God, the giving God, the joyful God who gives, because we have the nature of God living on the inside of us through Jesus, I want to believe that as New Testament priests, it's really not a hard issue with us. It's a, des- it's a desire in us that's of God to reach out to the people around us, to give generously to the people around us. But I do want to suggest, based on the Lord's prompt for this message, that it might be a margin issue. That maybe we don't as much as we wish we could because we don't, there's no room. So what do we do? How do we make room for this generous investment? All right. I love this house. We, I want to just say, we are a generous people. Everybody raise your hand. We are a generous people, all right? We are a generous people. We honor like nobody's business. There is a culture of honor in this house. We go after generously giving away the, 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 the prophetic word of the Lord. Because when you, when you function in the prophetic, what you're doing is you're, re, you're hearing the heart of God or seeing the desire of God for another individual, and you are partnering with that. You're, you're releasing your words to bring forth what God, like the, the, what God has desired for them. We are generous in honor. We are generous in words of life. We are generous with encounters with the presence of God. Come on. 
This is what we do here on a regular basis. And we, in, we have events here and di- offer different things all week long, all year long, in the hopes of making a space so that people in the region around us can come and experience the presence of God because we're a generous people. But I want to point something out. I want us to go back to Luke chapter 10 real quick, and I want us to point something out. Because in Luke chapter 10, the generosity that Jesus is talking about wasn't just with spiritual ministry. It was with time and with money, too. Let me look. Let me, if you're a note taker, let me just say this. In verses 34 and 35 is where I'm going. So oil and wine were used to to bind up wounds. That, like the symbolism of that, prophetically, that is spiritual ministry. There's oil and there's wine. There's somebody wounded. I give generously in that place. But in the next verse, at the end of that verse and in the following one, it also talks about the man actually getting the person on the donkey, this good Samaritan putting the man on the donkey and bringing him to an inn. That takes time. And then finally, he pulls out two silver coins. That was money. And he goes beyond that, and he says to the innkeeper, if there's more money that's needed, I'll pay it. He was generous in every area. Jesus could have hit one area, but I I feel like he was purposeful with his words. He he brought together the whole kit and caboodle. He he brought it all together, and he said, I want to see generosity in every way through my people, because that's what I do. You guys following me? In 2019, I feel like God is inviting us into a season of increased generosity. And I really believe that he has a radical harvest in his heart for us as a house. He wants us reaping that harvest. But I'm up here this morning as a mom to some to submit to you that every harvest comes from a seed. I love wine and I love oil, but every harvest comes from a seed. As we're getting ready to transition, I want you to know that I have, I have a couple practicals. Because I have known seasons in my life where I was the poor or the stranger. And because there's a decent amount of people in this room, there is probably a chance that I'm not the only one who's known seasons like that. I, I know what it's like as a child not to have food because one parent is incarcerated and the other one's just trying to make it. I know what it's like as a teenager for seasons not to have electricity or running water because addiction in your family was eating away all the money that was meant to pay the bills. 
I also know how hard my husband and I worked when we first got married to get out of those lifestyles, out of those, the, the, that history that we both had as children. And we worked really hard, and we did really well financially. But at one point in our marriage, when I had a six-month-old little son, we decided to make a huge leap in the realm of business. And you know where it left us? It left us in an upstairs bedroom with our baby in the house of a widow with seven children for a season. I know what it's like to have need in different seasons. And so I also know there's no shame in it, okay? There's no shame in my seasons or anybody else's that might be in this room when there's need. At the same time, I also knew that it wasn't an excuse. It wasn't a, uh, I'm just going to say that. It wasn't, it wasn't an excuse for me to be able to ditch kingdom principles, Because God is looking to give to me and through me, not just to take money or time or energy from me. He's looking at my heart and the bigger picture. And so if we're in this room today and you find yourself, wow, I feel like I would love to come behind somebody and get a little bit of their corners. I would love to, you know, I I need, I need, because there's some, some needs in my life right now. I need to be a receiver. I felt like the Lord had a couple of practical things. And so as we're finishing up, I just want to, if, if you can take a couple of notes, if that's you today, I feel God on what I'm about to say. So just let's, let's go there. Let's give him an opportunity to see what he's going to do with it. So if you have no room, if you feel like you're barely making it, or you're up to the edge in the areas of your calendar and your finances, here are the practicals. I want you to go back to Luke chapter 10 and Leviticus chapter 9, and I want you to pray through them. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you make room in your life for generous investment. Holy Spirit, help me make room in my life for generous investment. Tell him, I want space for this. I don't want to live on the edge anymore. And then I want to encourage you to go after wholeness in those areas of your life in a couple of different ways. I want to encourage you to go find out what God says about healthy boundaries and wise stewardship because stewardship is a big deal in the kingdom. The story of the talents shows us that wide stewardship leads to increase. But poor stewardship can lead to us losing what God initially has given to us to begin with. This is not meant to be a Debbie Downer message. This is a kingdom message, and you're just getting it from your sister who just got over the flu. That's all. God's on it whether I'm jumping up and down and making my voice go loud or running fast up here, God is on this message. It is time for us to go to the next level of maturity. He is honored by what we've done in the realm of generosity so far, but there is a harvest that's coming, and seed needs to be sown for it. It's a harvest that he's been dreaming about in his heart. Okay? 
Ask for help. Make it a priority in 2019 so that you're positioned to be part of a place. Listen, so you're positioned to be, to be in a place of strength and authority over your finances and your calendar. Everybody with me? Let me hear you say amen.